You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, this is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black. We're here again to talk more about the holy war in Boston College and Notre Dame game that was on Saturday. This will be our last day of covering the game before we move on to other topics, but we still have a few more topics to kind of wrap up our discussion. Later on in the episode, we're going to have Eric Hoffs' cut stop by. He's going to talk about what he noticed, what he liked and didn't like about BC's play, and give his analysis. And, you know, if you know Eric Hoffs, he always has a great take. Um, also later on in the week, we're going to have him back and we're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk a little bit about hockey. We're going to, we have a, so many different things about other sports as this is by week, uh, for football. So before we do, I have my last take on the game and that is my good, bad and ugly. Now, usually you can catch a lot of my, uh, insight and analysis on bcbulletin.com, but this is going to be my exclusive good, bad and ugly for the lockdown Boston college network podcast. So. My goods for Saturday's game, Aaron Bumeri. I thought Aaron Bumeri looked great. You know, after a game against Syracuse where he missed a couple kicks and uh, just looked inconsistent, he hit three field goals, hit all his extra points. You know, when you have a kicker like that, they, he looked pretty good. On top of that, both Bumeri and Danny Longman, I loved their onside kicks. You know, in college, sometimes you watch an onside kick and it's like, watching a car wreck in slow motion because it's college kickers and they can't do that. Um, but they both put the ball right where they needed to and were just like a millisecond off of both of those uh, onside kicks going uh, the right way. The other good, I thought, um, I have to say, I like the play of the running backs. I thought David Bailey and Travis Levy, they only ran the ball 16 times between the two of them, but I thought they did a nice job. And as we've seen with Boston College, it's uh, the reverse Frankenstein, I think I heard someone online use, and I love the, the term. Uh, they've changed everything from where they were last year, where they just ran the ball all the time, to uh, now not running at all. Uh, Signetti has a uh, tendency to, when BC falls behind, to not run the ball, and we saw a lot of that on Saturday. But I thought um, David Bailey ran really well. Levy did a nice job, except for that fourth and one. Which goes into our first bad, the fourth and one call. I did not like that call at all. I said that yesterday. I thought, um, you know, lining up and shotgun with your as um, your fifth best player, basically your sixth best player, at, in a in a moment that was basically the game, was not a good call. And it's probably one of the biggest calls I've disagreed with Halfley and his staff since they've taken over. So that would go in a bad. The other bad. Um, I'm going to argue again. I, I got ripped online on our site for this, but I thought the defensive line played really poorly. Um, I know Notre Dame's front seven, I mean, their front offensive line is really good, but the defensive line for BC was basically not there. They made uh, the fumble recovery, uh, but they got no pressure on Ian Book at all. They looked completely helpless against that offensive line. So they, they're going to get dropped into our bad category. Also in bad I'm going to also put, this is a little bit more nitpicky, but the um, any play with Zay Flowers, and this is just not this week, where he kind of just runs around and um, 
doesn't move forward, I hate those plays. And they got to go in my bad category because they never go anywhere. He moves much quicker when he's moving forward. And so when he's, you know, juking and moving in place, it never go. he always gets hit for a loss. Um, happened again this week. It happens basically every week. Get him moving vertically. I, I just one of those little things that drives me crazy. So that's uh, that goes in the bad. Um, also in the bad, I'm gonna put uh, Max Roberts getting ejected. I don't know what he did, but if you're contacting an official as he did and got ejected for it, that's not good. And uh, he deserved to get ejected for that. Um, and final, my final uh, two are gonna be for ugly, and that is going to be uh, the turnovers. I don't know what happened on that botch snap that went over Jakovic's head, but that killed BC. As Halfley said in the press conference afterwards, you know, BC had the chance to go in under uh, under a touchdown uh, in a deficit, and they gave the ball right back to Notre Dame, who then proceeded to score. So mistakes like that. BC doesn't have the talent right now to overcome uh, catastrophic mistakes like that. And, you know, we've been all over... Uh, BC for the penalties and the pre-snap infractions or the stupid personal foul calls. You know, in the end, those plays are bad, but not as bad as what happened on Saturday. You you just basically took a drive off the board and you took points off the board on a really um, preventable mistake. And I don't know what happened there, but that was a big one. Um, and then in terms of ugly, um, I'm going to have to put it all on the defense because... <laughs> You know, the offense, they had uh, Phil Dracovic playing on one arm, and uh, they put up 31 points against a good defense, so I can't I can't crap on them for that. The defense, though, you put the, Notre Dame put up almost 600 yards of offense against BC. And no matter how you want to slice it, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it Notre Dame has more talent. You can call it that BC just couldn't stop them. The defense didn't perform, plain and simple, and you can't. Uh, get out of that and they played poorly uh, easily the worst game they've played all year um, or 1A 1B to the Virginia Tech game where they couldn't stop anything either I'm going to talk about it again this is a program that is in dire need of some infusion talent on that defensive side of the ball especially in the front seven Um, and it was exposed big time against Notre Dame and again I know Notre Dame has the best offensive line in the country but BC could not do anything against that um, that offense. And Ian, there were certain plays, like when Ian Book would run up the middle, there was no one anywhere near him. And that killed Boston College. So those are my good, bads, and uglies for the week. If you have one, hit us up on Twitter, at LockedOnBC. Um, you can tell me which one, what, what was your uh, good, bad, and ugly for that game. Before we get to Eric Hofsis, a quick little BC news update. The bean pot was officially canceled today, which is not much of a surprise as uh, Harvard canceled all winter sports. So you are already missing a quarter of your bean pot. You're not going to just fill it in with UMass Lowell. You're not going to fill it in, you know, with another school. They're going to go with all four. And so Harvard is out. Boston College does not have a bean pot. And we're going to have to move on from there. So that was just a big piece of news. Also, uh, today was Women's Basketball um, Media Day. Uh, I will be you know, doing a little recap of that up on BC Bulletin later on uh, this week. So check that out because they're an exciting team. I know some people don't really get into women's sports and you're, that's your own problem because you're missing out on a fun team. They're a really talented group led by a coach who I think you know, they're going to have a trio of good coaches with Halfley, uh, Joanna McNamee, 
and um, Jerry York at BC. So check check out uh, the preview of the upcoming season up on the site. But before we do, as always, we've got to chill. I It's Monday, and I'm recording late at night, and I need to chill. So what do I do? I reach for an ice-cold Coors Light. It's literally the beer that is made to chill. I watched a little bit of football last night. I loved watching that Patriots game. Nothing beats a good uh, cold weather, you know, just dreary game when you have a defense like uh, the Patriots do and an offense that can't move the ball. And when I'm watching a game like that, I just like to chill with a nice Coors Coors Light. Coors Light is the beer of official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And it's cold as refreshing as the Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. And given my schedule, I need to unwind a lot. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look straight delivered to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Locked on Boston College. This is AJ Black. With me, I have my co-host, Eric Hostas. Eric, how's it going? I'm doing all right, AJ. Thanks. So, you know, on the show the last two days, we've been talking a lot about the Notre Dame game. And Eric might have to eat a little crow here because he was the one that had BC winning this game. And uh, what we saw on, <laughs> what we saw on Saturday definitely didn't uh, reflect that. Eric, what what were some of your what were some of the things that you noticed that really kind of killed BC's momentum in that game? Um, I, I mean, I, I have to start probably with the defense first. Um, you know, Notre, Notre Dame has a, a pretty good offense, but it's not, it's not nearly the best one BC's faced all year. And, um, BC had such a hard time stopping them aside when, from when they created a couple of the turnovers. Um, and, and the, some of the most backbreaking ones for me were the, the Ian book runs, um, that kind of extended drives and uh, and those those were the back backbreaking ones for me. I, I think though, um, I mean, what, one of the plays that really bothered me, and I have to talk about though, is uh, the fourth down and one. Um, that was um, a really, you know, what it was one of the first times all year where I, I really. Um, came away scratching my head with the coaching staff. You know, it's a fourth and one. Basically, the game's on the line, right? The, the way the BC defense was playing, if you don't score on that drive, the game's going to be over. That's the bottom line. And just, listen, no no disrespect, obviously, to Travis Levy, but I just don't think he's the best option on offense. I don't think he's the second best option. I don't think he's the third best option. Um, you know, he's a guy that's, uh, averaging under four yards a carry this year. Um, and I, I think, I, I don't know. And, and halfway all year, I, I think he's done a great job in getting the ball in his playmakers hands and really playing to the strengths of the team. And I just thought maybe it's cause it was so amplified cause it was a fourth and one and the game was on the line that, that, you know, that, that we're making a big deal of it, but. I, I just didn't I didn't understand it. Um I like I said, I don't I don't think Levy is one of the top four, maybe five best options on the team right now. 
and uh, give him the ball uh, and try to make that is just just head scratching to me. And I did see Coach Halfley try and explain it after the game that he agreed with the call, which doesn't mean much to me. I mean, you, you're always going to support your coordinators, but he said Levy had been running well or, or hard, and he had been, but still, that was uh, that was a big one for me. Yeah, um, so- with that play too, let me jump in because I had some thoughts as well. I had yeah, two, other, two other big issues with that play. First of all, it was okay. fourth and one, a long one. I yes. thought that I thought at that point, and I believe Halfley called timeout before that. I wish mm-hmm. that they could have reviewed the spot of that ball because it it seemed a lot closer to a to a, a real one yard run than what they had it because they had it almost at two yards, and that could definitely change the the type of play you call after that. Cause if it's, if it's one yard, you just line up Phil Dracovic and just run it through. Um, if it's more than one, that's a little bit more challenging. You know, you can't do that as much. The second piece I had an issue with was um, the fact that they, they started that shotgun. That means you're starting to run three yards, you know, two to three yards back or, you know, a yard, whatever it is, a yard and a half, two yards back. And you have to make up that ground to get the one yard. So I didn't like that either. You know, you you go that's the that's the type of pit situation where you do play Daz ball where you right you put in your power set and you just try to bash the ball in and and hope for the best and they didn't do that there no they didn't and uh you know like we said after that happened you knew the you knew the game was over at that point and that's why i had such a big prob- problem with it is uh they kind of left it all on the o line and levy and just um, neither one has really lived up to expectations this year. Now, Eric, um, you mentioned the defense, and I want to get more into that with you. Um, yesterday, I gave out my grades on on the on the team, and I was really harsh on the defense. I thought the defensive line got beaten pretty badly, and I said in in the article that the Irish is probably they probably have the best offensive line BC's played all year. And yep. Um, but I thought the defensive line got zero push. I felt like the linebackers were trying to cover for what they were doing up front or lack of what they were doing up front and, you know, having to chase a lot because they were, you know, Kyron Williams or Ian book were able just to get four or five yards before the linebackers even got to them. What was your thoughts on the defensive line? Was I right? Giving them a D I, I gave them a D which is below average. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame has a great, offensive line but um you know that's still uh 561 yards of of 561 yards allowed is unacceptable um i don't care how good their offensive line is and it's not like it's not like they have that many dynamic playmakers to go with that offensive line i mean they have some nice nice weapons um but like i said it's not it's not even probably the best offense they've faced all year. So yeah, I was really, I was really disappointed that they really had no answer. And like, uh, I'm listening. I, I had to, uh, travel for a bit of the, bit of the game and I was listening to the radio broadcast and they were hyping up Ian book. Like he was Michael Vick or something scrambling for the yardage and like Ian books, a nice scrambler, but again, he's not, he's not the most dynamic running quarterback they've went up against all year so that was that that was really uh frustrating for me to see him run around like that and really they they just never figured that out seemingly the whole game uh 
it was that that was one of the really most frustrating parts to me just those back-breaking parts of drives where he just takes off on third down and picks up an easy first down yeah and you know I, I thought the same thing like Ian Book looked he looked like a Heisman winner out there and you know he's good but he's not that level I I, I still think a guy oh. like Sam Howell has a higher ceiling than Ian Book does and they were able to contain him more than they were in books. So that was interesting. When we come back, I'm going to continue our conversation with Eric Hofsis about some more things that came up during the game. Talk about Phil Dracovic and his injury and look at where the Eagles could end this season. I don't know about you, but over the last couple of weeks, I have been hitting a wall and that wall usually for me hits around like two or three o'clock where just that energy I had to start my day has completely eroded. And you know what I go for when I have those moments? I go for Built Go. It's my solution for breaking through that wall. Now you may go for those other energy drinks, but these are not fake energy. This is natural, it's long lasting, and it will sustain you to get you through that wall. It is perfect. It's a gel-based drink that you can have throughout the day. Um, it's the best workout gel on the market. And I'm a guy that has done a lot of different gels for different workouts. I'm a runner. I've done uh, you know marathons, and I always go for Built Go. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. I am a big fan of the chocolate coconut. Um, it's perfect. It gives me five hours of energy without that crash feeling. And it has just a little bit of caffeine to get your boost going. Uh, it is a energy gel with collagen protein loaded with the good stuff to ignite my work, like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a little kick of caffeine, as I said before. Now, if you go to visitbuiltgo.com and use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, just go to builtgo.com and you'll get 20% off your next go. You want to get through those walls, get that built go. Let's go. Locked on Boston College, this is AJ Black. I'm still joined by Eric Hofsis. Eric, after the game, I thought it was a bombshell, but you know, when you think about it more, it wasn't. Halfley announced that Phil Dracovic separated his throwing shoulder uh, in the Clemson game, which has been impacting in the last two weeks. Uh, Halfley and Dracovic talked about it, that he wasn't able to practice the week of the Syracuse game and that Halfley didn't announce anything about it because he wanted to uh, not give any strategic advantage to uh, Syracuse. Eric, how obvious was it that Dracovic was playing hard? Um, I mean, I thought he was hiding it pretty well. I mean, he, he hadn't been as sharp lately. Um, so I, I kind of thought he was going through some sort of nagging nagging injury uh, we probably should have figured it out a little bit more um, in that Syracuse game I think I think I remember our takeaways were like we were like man they rushed it a lot in that game they were really committed to getting the ground game going um, and I, I think you know they probably did want to get it going against a kind of a crappy Syracuse defense but uh, I think they were trying to rest uh, rest his shoulder a little bit too during that game and uh uh, it's, it's amazing. And some people on Twitter have, uh, posted some videos of him just taking some shots during that Notre Dame game, um, from their, uh, their blitzing linebackers and defensive ends. And he just kind of stands, you know, holds his own in the pocket, man. He is a, he's a tough son of a gun, as they say. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. I'm, 
I'm curious to see how they treat this going forward. I mean, like, I mean, obviously they'll, they'll err on the side of the doctors and whatever they say. I'm just, I'm just wondering how, how important it is uh, to have them finish this particular season, um, you know, with, with this, this, the last couple losses, it's kind of cemented, you know, obviously BC's not, got any kind of shot to go to the ACC championship and it's kind of up in the air anyways like what's going to qualify you for a bowl game like it feels like BC might already be there with five wins the way the way the weirdness is going in this this season so that'll be something to interesting to follow in the bye week I don't know if anyone's uh asked coach about shutting down uh Dracovic the rest of the year or not but it's definitely something to consider I'd say yeah, that was an interesting thing. So he's talked about it the last couple of days. Um, and, you know, he's going to – he's shutting down Dracovic for the next week. He said that, um, you know, with the bye week coming in now, it's a perfect time to give him some rest and, and to, to rest that shoulder. Uh, so they're going to do a lot of therapy and, and therapeutic uh, interventions with it to kind of get it ready for those last couple of games. Um, but, you know, I was just – you know, if you're following along with Boston College opponents – the next game against Louisville, when you when that schedule came out, it looked like a game where you're you're thinking, oh gosh, that's going to be an automatic loss. That team is in utter disarray right now, and it's gonna get, it's just getting worse for them. They just lost Javi and uh, Jav- Hawkins, their running back for the year, uh, who opted out for the season. He's going to be going to the pros. Tutu Atwell is out, uh, their star wide receiver, and they can't stop turning over the ball which is a humongous issue if you're playing Boston College, who is a team, as we've seen, who, you know, lives and, and dies by the turnovers. So if you're playing – you're going to be playing sloppy, BC's going to take it, take it to you. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how much – if BC does do what I think they could do to, to Louisville, how much Dracovic plays in that game. Now, if you were a coach, and I know we, we can't see the doctor's reports or the x-rays or anything like that, People have been asking, why were they playing Dracovic and why not starting Grossell? Do you have any thoughts on that, Eric? Um, I mean, it's a good question. I, I think, I think um, honestly, as long I'm, and I'm sure the doctors did clear him. And yep. that being said, I probably, I probably would have still went with him in the Notre Dame game and kind of make it an all-in game uh, for the rest of the year and, and try and, like, uh, get that signature win and, and, and stuff. But I don't know. I feel like, I feel like at this point, my, my, after losing to Notre Dame, uh, my views kind of changed. I feel like the, the season's kind of taking a different direction now. It, it's kind of wrapping up. Um, you know, you, you gave it your best go to beat Clemson Notre Dame. You fell a little short. I don't know. These last two games, like they don't seem as important as maybe they did a week or two ago to me um, about, about, you know, the importance of them. So I don't know if I was the coach, I, I would consider resting them the rest of the year and, and get ready for, for next year. I mean, he's such an important piece and he's going to enter the year as uh, I, I don't know, dare I say he might be a Heisman contender entering next season. Um, definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC by far. He will be maybe top two coming back next year. So I, I don't know. I'd give him a rest. How about you? Do you, would you, uh, I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to obviously just, it, it, obviously he was medically cleared to play, but how would you handle it the last two games? I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, 
uh, it's hard to say. He, you know, Dracovic himself says it wasn't that bad. But then in the next breath, he says, I had to change how I throw a football because of the injury. So, um, and, you know, you saw what we saw in the games where there were certain passes that he was underthrowing that he would have nailed two or three weeks ago, you know. Um, I, I don't know. You know, um, I think this all goes to Halfley trying to install a lot of confidence in his young quarterback. I, I hope and pray that this has no lasting effects on him, though, because you're right. Next year is going to be big for him. And BC's offense, if Hunter Long stays, they have the possibility of having one of the pe- best passing attacks in the AC- – or they will have the best passing attack in the ACC, I, I will say, um, given that they're going to have Zay Flowers, Kobe White is coming back, Ethan Williams – they're going to have C.J. Lewis, J- uh, Jalen Greenhill. They're going to have all sorts of ta- talent out there. You need a guy to throw him the ball. And, I, you know, Dennis Grossell is a great guy. He's a great kid. Uh, and, he's, you know, that play against Clemson was huge. But he, he's a big drop-off. And <laughs> it changes the whole outlook if he's your starting quarterback next year and not Dracovic. So Eric, Yeah, I agree with you. They're going, to be, they're going to be one of the best passing attacks in the country next year, no doubt. So Eric, you're returning again uh, later this week. We're going to talk. We're going to change it up. It's uh, bye week here on um, Locked On Boston College, so we're kind of just taking a little breather from football after today. We're going to look at basketball, and Eric is going to give us some insight into what the basketball team might look like this year, and give us some perspective on maybe reasons why we should be excited about the team, or maybe there's reasons why the you know, ACC predictions of BC finish 14th might be accurate. So Eric, we'll see you later, um, later on in the week to talk more about basketball. All right, AJ, sounds good. All right. So you can check out Eric at Hoffa BBQ on every um, social media app. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. And if you haven't already, uh, we're doing a mailbag. Hit me up on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. You can, tweet at me or you can dm me if you have a question we're going to do a uh, mailbag this week and i love you and i know there's lots of you out there listening if you have a question you want me to answer shoot it to me on uh twitter and we'll answer it later in the week try to get it to me by wednesday though okay uh so at aj black underscore bc you can find uh the site uh my site bc bulletin i'm the editor and publisher i have tons of great content on there please jump in and become a commenter. All you have to do is, you know, throw in your two cents on one of those topics. I always respond to commenters. I mean, we have a great group and I'd love to add some of you on there. So if you're on to uh, BC and you like talking BC, join our comment group on bcbulletin.com. Again, this is AJ Black. I'll see you guys all again on Wednesday to talk a little bit more about Boston College. Take care, everyone.